It's been forever since we've dropped an episode of the Psychology of Financial Planning podcast. And we've been reminded of that. It's been, I think it's been four months. Um, great to get emails and lots of downloads. So here we are. Well, not we. I'm here, Dr. Charles Chafin. My colleague and partner in crime, Dr. Brad Klontz, is speaking to a firm right now about the psychology of financial planning, and I slipped away, and I'm with you. And today we're going to talk about learning styles, client learning styles. So when you're getting really important information, and I always go to medical information, like a diagnosis, uh, as a really good parallel here with when it comes to client learning styles and financial planning. So when you're getting a diagnosis or maybe a diagno- medical diagnosis of, a, of a, a loved one, a parent or a grandparent, and you're in the doctor's office and they're giving you this information about what it is and what the treatments are and what the prognosis is, are you writing it down? Are you taking copious notes? Or are you talking through things with the with the physician? You know, are you repeating what the physician is saying so that you got it? Because this is really important stuff. Now, what about your clients? If you think through all the clients that you have right now, could you walk through all of them and say, this one likes to write things down. This one likes to verbalize things. This one likes to get notes ahead of the meeting. This one likes to follow up. Could you, could you identify all that? So when we think about learning style, what it really is, is it's kind of our overall patterns of providing direction to how we communicate with learning and teaching. And it's, the, the the academic definition is, is a set of factors, behaviors, and attitudes that facilitate learning for an individual in a given situation. It gets into an element of preference. And when we think about financial planning, there's a, certainly an element of teaching and learning as part of that. It could be learning the basic overall health of the client, financial health of the client, Or it could be a self-discovery process, learning about what really makes an individual tick and helping them meet their goals and, and whatnot. So when we dive into different types of learning styles, there's 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 a handful of them. There's about seven. And we're gonna walk through all of those here. So when we think about the most the primary learning style that most people have is visual. So visual learners, not surprising. They prefer images, graphics, colors, and maps to communicate their ideas and thoughts. Now, you can, you can identify what a visual learner and your client looks like. There's several signs of that. Their thoughts tend to wander during, an, during a conversation. They're observant, so they may be focused on some of the visuals that you're presenting, but they might be missing what you're saying verbally. And that's a really, really big one. So, you know, if you're, if you're presenting a plan, even if it's under over a short period of time, and I hope it is a short period of time, you're not talking too long without checking in, um, you may notice that that they may be focused on what, what you're presenting visually, but they're missing what you're saying orally. They remember by seeing charts and diagrams. That's what they're that's what they 
remember going forward. They may not remember anything of what you said verbally, but they can remember when you're showing them some sort of diagram about, about their plan. And they need to see the directions and not hear them. Right. So think about that difference. You know, if you're if you're lost and somebody gives you directions and they say, well, you know, make a left at at three three lights down and then make a right and then make a left. Some people are lost by that, but they do better if they can if they can see it on a map or whatnot. Now, auditory learners, surprisingly, right? A lot of this is self-explanatory. The, the, the biggest part about this, I think the most important part of this episode and the work that we're doing and the badge and the book really is, okay, how to accommodate these these different types of learning styles in your clients, which I'll get to. What a great teaser, right? So surprisingly, auditory learners, they like to talk. They prefer spoken directions over written ones, right? So they may want to talk through things, right? They, they're listening to what you're saying, and they may even be repeating back what you're saying. The third is what we call read and write. So that these folks take notes, all right, and they tend to want materials ahead of time. So, you know, think about like PowerPoint. If you're doing a PowerPoint, you know, presenting that in notes form so they can take notes along the slides is ideal. And they may actually, folks that are reading right may actually be rewriting the very same things that you've already written. That is a process for them to remember what you're telling them. All right. They're writing constantly. So you may think that they're not focused, or you may think that they're not really listening to you, or even that you've presented visuals and they're ignoring them. But in reality, that writing process is for the purpose of them remembering and understanding what you're saying. And and in a lot of cases, people that are read and write, they may never go back and review what they've written. The exercise in and of itself helps their cognition, not to get too academic here, but that exercise in and of itself helps them better understand what they need to learn, even if they don't even go back and look at it again. Logical, we're at number four now, logical learners tend to learn through inquiry. So they're asking questions, and they may be asking questions that are really, really basic, but that's, that's part of the process of them learning. Now, a logical learner will interrupt you lots of times, right? So you have to think about that when it comes to your pacing. They may be comp- even completing your sentences, which could drive you crazy as a planner. But that's part of their process of better understanding and learning this content. Kinesthetic learners are, this is a list. I mean, that's the best way of presenting these. And then we'll get to the, we'll get to the, uh, the exciting conclusion of what to do later on. But kinesthetic learners tend to learn through physical activity, right? They could be doodling. Um, they could have, if you have little, if you're if you're working with them in an office, they may want to be playing with little gadgets that they fidget with and whatnot. Um, and so with, with that one, you know, there's really not a whole lot to do there. I'll give away a little bit of that, except maybe have something for them to fidget with. I tend to be a little bit kinesthetic. So if I'm on a Zoom call, I have my uh, my iPad and I'm doodling the whole time while I'm while I'm talking with somebody. That's just part of my process. So, you know, I use the little note thing and I've got different colors and just scribbling around a whole whole bunch of things. And then I go back and look at it and I'm like, what the heck is this? But um a lot of people are kinesthetic and, and we'll get to how some of these things are combined too in, in just a moment. 
the the final two really aren't that that big of a deal, and that is social or solitary. So people that are social or solitary learners, they may want one extreme or the other. If they're a social learner, they may want their spouse or partner to talk through things with them. If they're solitary, they may just want to they may want to focus on some of these concepts on their own in isolation. Um, it, it really just depends. That one, you know, there's there's really not as a planner, there's really not a whole lot you could do to to accommodate that, right? I mean, you know, if somebody doesn't want their spouse at the meeting, that's not anything you're going to get involved with necessarily. Um, but I would say that people who are social learners tend to be a little bit more on the logical side where they want to talk through things. That's the whole purpose of them being social, that they're talking through certain points with their spouse or partner or family member, whoever it might be, to better understand understand their situation. You know, in the one of my favorite studies um, related to this, I go back to this idea of of using this analogy of of um, of the physician and a diagnosis. There's a really great study out of out of the Brown School of Public Health that they wanted to look at this whole idea of patients being able to understand their diagnosis and their prognosis and treatment and all these different things. And what they found was that. Some of these medical patients, they didn't learn about half of the content of their meetings with their healthcare providers. That they just missed half of it, and in a lot of cases, there was roughly around fifteen percent of those same patients. They actually remembered things completely incorrectly, like in a way that was actually going to going to produce an action or a behavior that was going to go against their better um, medical outcome. So we could certainly see that when it comes to the psychology of financial planning and certainly when, when it comes to your practice is that if, we're tr- if we think about our work as a, as a planner as being something that is of a coach or developing a plan and a set of behaviors that, is gonna be, that are going to be consistent with their goals, we got to make sure that they, they get all this information correctly, right? So we got through the list and we're going to talk about what to do about accommodating these learning styles in, in just a moment. Um, you know, before I do that, we have a bunch of stuff going on, as I think everybody that's listening to this knows. So, you know, we obviously launched the Psychology of Financial Planning Specialist badge. Um, it's been six weeks, six weeks old, and we're working with a lot of different firms for their advisors to get access, and we're doing custom programs and things like that. One of the cool things that we're going to do, well, I'm going to do, Brad's not here, uh, is for listeners, if you want to get the the badge, then you can actually email, you can email me at drcharles at psychologyoffinancialplanning.com. The email address is way too long. You know, we, we went round and round about that. You know, we wanted to use PFP, but this is what we went with. Um if I had a visual, because we're doing learning styles, I could I could do a chart or a graph of it. But anyway, it's Dr. Charles at psychologyoffinancialplanning.com. And if you email me, I'll give you a code for $100 off the program. Um, yeah, $100 off. Don't tell anybody I gave it to you. It's just for you, the listener, just you, the person that's listening to this. It's not for anyone else. Uh, but yeah, Dr. Charles at psychologyoffinancialplanning.com. I'll mention too in our, I guess in our, my little advertisement here, um, we have a new book coming out. Uh, obviously, The Practitioner's Guide to Money and Behavior, 
We released that in September. It's selling thousands of copies, which is really, really wonderful. Um, and we have the Practitioner's Toolkit coming out on December 8th. So if you're listening to this before December 8th, it's coming. Um, and we'll make a lovely Christmas gift, right? A holiday gift. I'm sorry, holiday gift. Um, if it's after December 8th, well, it could still make a lovely gift for whenever you've gotten it. Uh, um, there are 53 different exercises that are in that toolkit. Um, and we're, Brad and I are using a lot of those when we do a workshop with a firm and we're, we're going visiting a lot of firms. And if you want to do that, you can certainly email us and we'll, we'll talk about coming out. But a lot of those are based upon not only reflections of what your, of your interactions with your client, but a lot of them are based upon your, you as the advisor and better understanding your own biases, better understanding your own financial flashpoints, even things like learning style that we're doing today. And I think that's been one of the most fascinating things as we're talking with a variety of firms uh, about this space is that they're really, really interested in better understanding their own advisor's psychology of financial planning, their own, their own, their own biases and how that's impacting their relationship. So... Uh, so for the discount code, it's Dr. Charles at psychologyoffinancialplanning.com. Um, that expires. You have to start that um, by the end of December. You don't have to finish the program, but you got to enroll by the by the end of December. Um, if you're listening to this after that, well, send me an email. Maybe we could work something out. But uh, um, I'm not supposed to say that, but I said it anyway. So Dr. Charles at psychologyoffinancialplanning.com. Uh, you could look at all the stuff that we're doing. This ad is almost over um, at uh, psychologyoffinancialplanning.com. Okay, so back to learning style. So we think about this in our practice. There's a few things to note. So first of all, individuals can display multiple learning styles. I already kind of alluded to that a little bit. So you could be kinesthetic and also have a tendency to be a little bit more visual. For the most part, the way our brains are wired, we tend to, we tend to have more of a bias on the visual. Most people are visual. Um, I think when it comes to this idea of vigilance on the part of the advisor, so that vigilance in the sense that you have a sense of what's going on um, with your client, are they getting this? In other words, uh, pacing is really, really important. How fast are you moving through this content? Um, I have a rule when it comes to attention, that's where I started in my research, and that is, if I'm teaching in a class, I never talk longer than seven minutes because we just lose people. And by the way, if I'm at a cocktail party, I never talk longer than 45 seconds. We just lose people. I think when it comes to information here that's either hopefully not too technical because we don't want to get too technical, but is really, really important and maybe emotional, we need to be checking in a lot Right? We need to be looking for those cues, whether they're verbal, whether they're nonverbal, whatever they might be. We need to be checking in regularly with our client to make sure they got it. You know, Does that make sense? Let's talk about this for a second. Before I go on, let's just take a minute. And sometimes, by the way, with that, silence is golden. Right? Even if you just take a few seconds and just let that sink in, whatever it might be, whether it's highly technical or emotional, whatever it might be, just let it kind of, let, 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 let the moment, kind of, let them digest it in the moment. 
And it may feel like, it, especially for younger planners, right? You may feel like you need to keep things, keep talking. And But silence for a little while is okay, right? Um, when you start with a, when you start with a client, you should really prepare for everything, right? So a mix of visual or auditory and space for the client to talk through points. Obviously, if you have something for a client to scribble or fidget with in person, that could be helpful if you're, if you're meeting in your office. Now, the whole dynamic changes if you're working with a couple, right? So more often than not, when you're working with a couple, you're probably going to have multiple learning styles. So accommodating all of them could be a really, really important thing. Just go ahead and have have lots and lots of visual, have charts and graphs. Bullet points are really important too. You know, there's all kinds of research in when it comes to information overload that, you know, when people go online, they're only reading about 15 to 20% of what they click on. They're only actually watching about the same of videos that they click on. So our attention span is roughly about nine seconds. And there's this stuff about goldfish. Uh, if you've read Numb and the other books that I've done, that goldfish's attention span is eight seconds and you know that ours is about the same as humans. I don't know the research of how they've quantified the goldfish's attention. I don't know if they you know had the goldfish like you know take a little multiple choice test or whatever in the world they did <laughs> to get to that. But the point of that is that we need to make sure that we're using bullet points and that we're not overwhelming clients with just a lot of text and a lot of verbal information. Um, you know, in education, the, the adage is fast is slow and slow is fast. And what that basically means is if I take time on the front end and be really, really meticulous about making sure that in this case, the client got it, then we're going to be more successful and can move quicker later. Whereas if we're trying to be fast on the front end and get through everything, we're probably going to have to go back because they didn't get it all. So, you know, it, all of this is is important. It's good that it's part of now the the uh, requirements for CFP certification, that, that learning styles are part of it, because we are educators in some sense, or you could even say coaches when it comes to our work with with clients. So, I hope that was helpful. Um, you can email us. You can email me at drcharles at psychologyoffinancialplanning.com. Uh, and Brad's is drbrad at psychologyoffinancialplanning.com. Hope you'll check out all of our stuff. And I hope this was helpful. We're going to be dropping more episodes now, now that we've kind of getting into the routine of things. And really appreciate you uh, downloading and subscribing. And we would love for you to leave a review. I also mentioned that the uh, the engineer for the Psychology of Financial Planning podcast is Tim Dolbear. Until next time, uh, Dr. Brad will be with me, and we'll probably have more banter, I would assume. Uh, and I'll see you then. Thanks for listening.